Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. And since you mentioned Bergeron and, and Krejci, like definitely worth getting into them because like you said, they Bergeron misses the first four games. They're up three to one. He comes back and they lose all three games that he plays. And they lose game six and seven with him and Krejci in the lineup. And it's fascinating with Bergeron because, as you said, like we we he told us after the game that uh, that he has a herniated disc in his back. That as much as we can say, like you know, how they survive the first round, they take a you know sigh of relief and and move on. That would have lingered. That would have been a question mark. Like, how effective would he have been? How much would he have dealt with that? Because I'm no, I'm no doctor, but I don't think playing playoff hockey makes a herniated disc better. Um, I think you're, you would just be crossing your fingers and praying that it doesn't get significantly worse. Um, but you know, it, like some of his, some of the stuff you would look at and say, okay, that kind of looks like Bergeron. He won 70% of his face-offs. You would think, you know, a back injury, maybe that affects face-offs. Really didn't. Uh, led the team in Corsi. That's classic Bergeron. Uh, played over, played 19.30 per game, so, like, ice time wasn't way down. But yet, when he was on the ice at 5-on-5, five five, the Bruins got outscored 4 nothing. He had one point, a power play goal. Like, that's not Bergeron. Um, and it's like, you know, those goals against... While I don't think anywhere directly his fault, was he maybe half a step slow and, you know, a, a transition gets started that he might normally get a stick on or he's half a step behind the guy in the back check. Like, the, he's he's out there for the Game 7 winner, and it's, it's really a two-on-three battle behind the net. Kachuk and Bennett and Carlo Bergeron and Grizzly are all there. And there's some lucky bounces going on. No one's... No one really gets control until it eventually comes to Bennett, but that you know, that's a play where it's like when if Bergeron's there, you just expect that he's going to be the one to win it. He's going to be the one to get the stick in the right spot, and instead the Bruins lose that battle, and then it gets gets to Verhage and he wins wins the series. Um, so I think you do wonder like was he just a little off, and that you know. Therefore, you you don't have Bergeron at his best, which means you don't have that line at its best, which means, you know, like I talked about, I didn't love taking DeBrusque off, but it's like, even if DeBrusque stays, does Marshan Bergeron DeBrusque look the way it usually looks if if Bergeron's struggling a little? Um, you know, Krejci, Krejci shows up for game seven, no question about it. Goal and two assists, and I thought that that line was good. Other than that, in the series, in the three game, the other three games that Krejci played, he had one point, and the Bruins basically got doubled up in shots when he was on the ice. Games one and two, especially, he was bad. And I thought game six, he was he was okay getting back in, and game seven, he was good. But 
you know, it, it's definitely fair to say like you played this series without Bergeron and Krejci at their best. And and obviously they both missed time, but even when they were in there, like that's, an, that's another big factor. You know, those guys were a big part of this team's success this year because they both came back and while they maybe didn't play exactly like they did in their prime, they, they had good seasons. You know, Krejci was productive. Bergeron's going to win another Selkie. Um, but a Bergeron who's on the ice for four goals against in three games, that's, that's not Selkie Bergeron. Like that's not what we usually expect to see. And, you know, playoff Kretsch didn't show up to game seven. That's a good time to show up, but is the series over earlier than that? If, if he's able to, to bring that in, you know, earlier in the series or in game six, when he returns. So, you know, that's, I guess you could say like that's the risk in in having so much be relying on two older centers. It's it's a tough position to be old at in the NHL. But I don't know. You know, Bergeron called the play where he got injured a fluke play. So it wasn't, you know, we still don't even really know exactly what play it was, but it sounds like it wasn't like a wasn't a bad hit. It wasn't a super physical play. It's Montgomery had alluded to like last week that it was something that could have happened at, at home. So that leads me to believe like, it was like, he just tweaked it, turned the wrong way or something. And, um, you know, so it's like, did that happen because he's older and he was wearing down late in the season or was it really just a freak accident? And we don't know exactly what crazy was dealing with. We didn't uh, get a chance to talk to him after game seven. He wasn't available, which, which is fine. Like, I don't, I don't fault guys. who don't, want to talk after a game like that, especially if you're crazy and it's, you know, decent chance it's your last game. Um, but obviously he was dealing with something as well. And it's, it's the same thing. It's like, is that just because he's, he's older and that's almost bound to happen at the end of a long season, you know, who knows, but ultimately like those guys weren't themselves in the series and, and that hurts. It does hurt. And, and there's a couple of th- direct, I want to go with based off of those comments but when you when you say that Bergeron hurt his back on a fluke play I I hear that and all that illustrates to me is just how easy it is to get hurt in the National Hockey League and how and how pretty much inevitable it is over the course of an 82 game season and a postseason that something's going to happen because even if it's not something over the course of play like getting getting trucked by a good hit or blocking a shot with your, with your knee or your ankle or breaking a wrist or a hand, blocking a shot or getting hit the wrong way. If it's none of those things that are hurting you, you could just pull something. And to your point, yeah, the older you get, that's going to happen. Look, I love Patrice Bergeron. He is, he is, he's my, my favorite Bruin in my lifetime. And, and, I have so much respect for him, and, and that guy will play through absolutely anything. There's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of chatter about his future in the media, amongst fans, in the locker room, and probably at his house over the next few months. And if he decides to come back, do I think the Bruins are a worse hockey team for it? No, not at all. To your point, he's still playing at a Selkie caliber. But I am not going to hold my breath that he's going to be reliable come 
next April if they make the playoffs because every, every single year he's hurt and he's banged up. And that's not that's not a, a knock on him. It's the nature of the sport that he plays and how long he's been doing it. Patrice Bergeron has been playing for the Boston Bruins since Aaron Boone had a walk-off home run against Tim Wakefield back in 2003. Okay, the guy's been playing for a long time, and I think that to expect him to be healthy over the course of 82 going forward and playoffs, it's just this guy was playing through punctured lungs a decade ago. Okay, like it's just it's just not realistic. Now, like I said, of course I would take him back in a heartbeat if he if he were to decide to come back to Boston. What I'm all I'm trying to say is like, don't get your hopes up and don't try to rely on Bergeron and Krejci because it's just it's just what we just saw. They 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 went. They have the most record, uh, most points in the in a season of all time. The most the most wins, the most points. Bergeron plays at a Selkie caliber. He'll probably win a Selkie again. And then you get to the playoffs, and sh- shit just happens. And and it's and when you've been doing it for twenty years, like he has been at this level, it's more it's 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 more likely that it can happen. Now here's my question, Scott. This is where else I wanted to go with this. My question to the Boston Bruins is why is it that the two best games you played in this series, Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci, weren't in the lineup. Can you answer to me, gentlemen, why those are your best games, your most complete games, your most responsible games? I can tell you why it's not. It's not because you were better on paper or you're a better team without those guys. That's not true. You're not a better hockey team without Patrice Bergeron as your number one center and Charlie Coyle filling in. That's not true. So why 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 was that your best hockey of the series? Answer that for me. Was it because you guys need you knew you needed to step up? It, 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 is it a subconscious going to another level when you know you have to because you have to because as a from a, to a man you have to step up for your teammates, and then when they come back into the lineup you kind of regress back into your your role and you and you, and you lose that fire. If that's the reason, it's inexcusable. Yeah, I think. I think it's a little bit of all that. I, I think games three and four, they also, and and they said that like they could identify this. Multiple players said we simplified more in that in those two games. I, I think that's I think one that's a response to playing so poorly in game two, and two it's a response to having those guys out and being like, okay, we're not going to do this with hero hockey. We're going to do it just coming together as a team and keeping things simple. And I think they did that in games three and four. And then I don't know if it's because Bergeron comes back or they're back on home ice and they're trying to do too much. Like, I don't know, but they obviously got away from that. Like we didn't games five through seven. They just didn't play the same way they did in games three and four. Um, So, yeah, I think there is an element of, uh, you know, I think Bill Simmons, Decades ago, coined the Ewing theory, um, which referenced how the New York Knicks in the 90s always were inexplicably better when Patrick Ewing was out injured. And I, I think you see that come up in sports. And like this could have been one of those cases where, yeah, guys just kind of band together when their top guy, or in this case, two of their top guys, are out. And they just sort of rally. And for whatever reason, once those guys came back, they weren't able to to do that. So I didn't think there's a mental component, but I also think there's the, just the on ice of like, they, they played simple hockey and they didn't make those mistakes that were so costly 
in really all four of their losses in the series. And I don't like, I, I, I don't know why they got away from that. Like I, Patrice Bergeron coming back in the lineup shouldn't affect like decisions you're making on the breakout. It's like, what, like I, it shouldn't, you know? So it's like, Scott, you know, it's, you know, it's crazy not to interrupt you, but like the conversation that you and I had along with Bridget and like everybody right after game four, when the Bruins went up three to one, do you remember what we were saying? We were saying, <laughs> we were saying, no, if Patrice Bergeron's willing to play and healthy enough to play, you play him in game five because you don't want to flirt with giving team life. You want to ice your best team and you want to step on the snake's throat and you want to end this series right now. Don't because just because you've won without Bergeron and Krejci in games three and four and the team locked things down without them doesn't mean they're going to be a, like better off by not having Bergeron and Krejci come back because people were saying, well, the Bruins took that 3-1 lead without Bergeron and Krejci just – they have a good thing going. Don't mess with the winning lineup. Let those guys continue to heal and and win the series. But, of course, when you're talking about Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci, you're going to say, I understand what you're saying. I respect that opinion. But you don't – you need Bergeron and Krejci to be in this lineup to ice your best team. And to think that if the Bruins didn't put Bergeron and Krejci back into the lineup in games five, through seven at different times maybe they would have won this series scott and that that's honestly that's fair to say or at least question it's it's fair to question if the bruins win game five if they just ice the same lineup it's it's revisionist history it's stupid to even pose the question i know it's just it's it's mind-boggling to me that they did enter the lineup and the team actually played worse not because of bergeron's fault or creature's fault but because of their teammates just not playing with the same um attention to detail effort, desperation, you call it whatever you want with them back in the lineup. So I'm not blaming Bergeron and Krejci coming back themselves. I'm saying it's just, it's, 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 it just makes you feel like, man, you just never know in sports because we were all saying the same thing. Don't, 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 don't mess around. Finish it in five. Bergeron's good. Put him in. Of course, put him in. So it's just like insane to think about. Yeah. And it's also fair to question, you know, do they win the series if they, rest all mark for a game at some point and go to Swayman. Like, you know, did they let all mark wear down and stick with him too long? We know he was dealing with something and maybe we'll find out more details on breakup day. Maybe we, we won't, but uh, the all mark we saw in games five and six was not the all mark we saw all season. And it wasn't the all mark we saw in games three and four in Florida. So yeah, there's, there's plenty of blame to go around on, on the team in front of them and on coaching decisions and all that. But like, also, you know, you gotta make saves and you can't give up. I don't care what the defense is doing. You can't give up 10 goals in two games. So, you know, that's like another easy second guess. And, you know, like I, you, you know, I was a proponent of just keeping the rotation going and I don't know if that would have worked. I, I don't, I think it's fair to, to wonder like, I, I absolutely wonder that. Um, but at the very least, even if you weren't going to go strict rotation, which I get, it's it's very rare. It would go against history. But I, I did all along think that you should be willing to go to Swayman. Um, you know, you could have done it after game two when Elmark struggles. You could have done it 
up three one coming back home for game five. At at worst, I absolutely think you should have done it after game five for game six when Allmark struggles in game five. And I I understand, you know, their thinking obviously was hey, Allmark struggled in game two, bounce back gave us two strong games. They were obviously expecting the same thing, but it didn't happen. So, you know, then you end up in this precarious situation for game seven where it's either you stick with an Allmark who has now had two straight subpar games or you go to Swayman cold. And it's like, you know, they kind of backed themselves into that by not playing Swayman at, at any other point during the series. So that was another, you know, if we're looking at like what changed once they were up three, one, like that's one of them. They just, they, they stuck with Allmark and basically in my eyes, he, he wore down. Like he mm. just wasn't the same goalie and might be physical, mental, some combination of the two, but you know, another for me, it was a first guess, but certainly a pretty easy second guess, but yeah, just, uh, you know, I've a lot of things changed from, yeah. from game four through those final three games. And that's one of them. The lineup changes, one of them, the turnovers, like, it's you know, it, it it all adds up, and and now, now all they can do is the same thing as us is is try to figure out what went wrong and find some way to 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 move on way mm-hmm. way earlier than anyone expected. Yep, and and by the way, please spare us the comments of, oh, why are you giving Florida credit? Why are you? Because we're not a Florida Panthers podcast, for Christ's sake. Like, we can, if you want us to do that off, off, off camera, Scott and I will give you an hour and a half on what Florida did well. But we're talking about the Bruins here, so yes, yeah. Florida played great. There's a lot that they did well, but we're focusing on the Bruins because this is a Boston podcast. So just keep that in perspective when you hear us rambling about this stuff. Um, I will know, just say one one thing on Florida. We already obviously t- talked about him, but yeah, we talked about him th- earlier. Th- this is a huge series for Matthew Kachuk, just mm. career wise. Because we had talked about it before. I had brought up, like, he's a guy that you think, just looking at his game, would be a playoff performer. In Calgary, he really wasn't. Like, he was just over half a point a game. He, I think I was 15 points, 15 points in 27 career games. No deep playoff runs. Um, you know, th- this was huge. Like, this this was a star mm. series. He, he took over and was was unstoppable the whole time. Like, you know, we already – yeah. Very kind of covered it, but like Bruins didn't didn't have an answer for him. A lot of a lot of players, Scott, tend to have their best series against the Bruins. The Bruins tend to be the stepping stone yeah. in a lot of success stories for other teams. But yeah, I want to know part of Matthew Kachuk going into the series. I look, I I wanted I wanted the Sleepy Islanders. I wanted well, first I want Pittsburgh because that would have been a sweep or a five game series for Boston. Pittsburgh has doesn't have half the heart that this Florida team has, and they weren't nearly as physical and 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 they didn't have that lunch pill mentality that Florida has, but. I wanted the I wanted the Islanders. I had I wasn't worried about them at all. Brock Nelson was not going to beat the Boston Bruins in a seven game series as as Florida's best player because at the time Matthew Barzell was like just coming back to the lineup. Bo Horvat was invisible. Anders Lee like <laughs> I wanted the Islanders. I wanted nothing part of Florida and Matthew Kachuk was a big part of it. Radko Gudis was another big part of it. As funny as that sounds, I didn't want him leaning on Boston for seven games. And guess what? He did exactly or, what I thought he was going to do or sitting or yeah. sitting on them. Yeah. 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 But, but that's who he is. And like, I just, that's not who you want to play for seven games. And he did his job very well. Um, I know he's not a star, but 
and I know earlier I said your best player is going to be your best player as they do, but but Radical Gudis is a big reason why at times, you know, Boston forwards just they just didn't have I don't know, he makes you pay the price. But uh quickly on Allmark, I I certainly wanted him out of the net after game five. Yes, because of the overtime blunder, and I think that some mistakes are big enough to warrant somebody having to you know pay the price for it tangibly. Furthermore, though, he was laboring a lot in that game. There, I saw like there was there was a save he made or a goal he let up, and it was like a whistle. And he's just like he's leaning, he's leaning, and it's like this guy just he's he's going through something. So if Swayman's healthier, play Swayman. Um, but I have zero zero questions or regrets about them starting Swayman in Game Seven. And I'll tell you why. We talked about the Montour goal. Not being great. I told you before the podcast, I hated Charlie McAvoy's decision on that play to attack the guy with the puck on the boards who was not a scoring threat. He just overcommitted and and left Montour right in his lane to go down and take that shot. Now, the shot itself, yes, sneaky backhander, five-hole, not great. But Allmark in that game, if Allmark played in Game 7 the way he looked in Games 5 and 6, Boston could have lost Game 7 5-0. Don't forget, Florida was up two nothing in that game. The second goal was not on Swayman. That's a that, that was a complete breakdown in coverage and, and a turnover and whatnot. And that was a top shelf goal. The Bruins played like garbage in the first forty minutes of Game Seven. Garbage. Their power plays were terrible. They and I'm talking their best players. They were they were they were passing the puck ten feet in front of their target. They were whiffing on passes, whiffing on shots. The crowd was booing them multiple times before that third period happened. If it wasn't for Jeremy Swayman, Boston could have been down 4-5-0 going into the third period. So if Linus Olmark is in that, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, they would have won. Because I guarantee you, he would have had a tough time keeping that game 2-0 as well. So I don't think the Brewers have any doubt or revisionist history about putting in Swayman in Game 7. I think it was the right choice. Boston, like I said, Boston had a one-goal lead in the final minute of the game. And that's after playing great hockey for 20 minutes. They played great in the third period. They did. They had one good shift in the first period, five-on-five, five, after a penalty kill, where they were, the Bruins were buzzing. Forty The first first 40 minutes were terrible. And, and, Scott, my question to you is this. Why? Why are the Bruins so not ready to play a game seven. Like this is why all the people who doubt the Bruins and don't trust them will sit there and say that like they, they need to see the Bruins hoist the cup before they believe it. Because what team plays game seven at home and plays that tight and that careless for 40 minutes after already coughing up a three, one series lead after already losing twice on home ice in the series the Bru- Bruins fans deserve much better than what than what they saw in those forty minutes. And the Bruins, it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna lose, it's not just that the Bruins lose, Scott. It's that they find new ways to just totally break the hearts of their fan base. For the Bruins to win a cup this year would have been very difficult. I know they won sixty five games and they were the best regular season team of all time. Anybody who knows the game of hockey would say, "Great, that's the regular season." The Bruins need to play the best hockey of their season to win a Stanley Cup. What I'm saying is I I like the Bruins' chances 
clearly better than anybody else's to win the Stanley Cup, but I didn't take the Bruins against the field. Like I figured that there's a good chance that at some point this spring, the Bruins might bow out of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But to do it in the first round, after having multiple third period leads and closeout games, after having a 3-1 series lead, after going down 2-0, coming back to go up 3-2 midway through the third period, to have your crowd on their feet as loud as they were, as supportive as they were, and then you give up a goal in the final minute of a game, and then you lose in overtime. They just find ways to break the hearts of this fan base, and the Bruins fan base is phenomenal. Like They really are. Scott, it's very fair to label this Bruins team. 2019 was bad. 2013, the Blackhawks were a great team. Yes, it was a collapse, but the Blackhawks were really, really good. The Blues, on paper, were not better than that Boston Bruins team. The Bruins should have won that series. They no-showed Game 7. That was bad. That was a big black mark on this Bruins era. This, it's... It's right up there with 2019. You can make the argument it's worse. The stakes weren't as high because it was Game 7 of the Cup Finals against the Blues. But this collapse, the way they did it, it's fair to sit here and say now, especially when the Bruins have nobody to blame but themselves. You can't blame the refs. You can't blame any circumstances. The Bruins got outplayed. This Bruins team, Bergeron's a great player. Martian's a great player. This Bruins era, it is very fair to say that they just don't know how to win when it matters most. And and that's a totally fair criticism. And there's nothing else we can really say at this point. Their their actions are what drive our words. And and they they fall they fall short. They just always fall short. And it's not nineteen seventy or nineteen eighties or late seventies, too many men in the ice Montreal forum type shit. This is like, no, you got outplayed. You got outplayed. No excuses. Yeah. So I have plenty of saying that, but just before I forget, circling back to playing Swayman in Game Seven, I'm with you. Like I, I don't regret that. I don't think it was the wrong call. I don't second guess it. And since Bridget is is unable to join us, uh, she had a tweet last night that like, kind of perfectly highlighted one one of the things that Swayman brought, which was he was tying up shots that Allmark wasn't in the previous two games. That the Panthers had traffic around them. They had you know, chances through traffic deflections and Swayman was killing them. He was just gobbling them up and getting the whistle. And we saw those kind of plays get scrambly with all market net in games five and six. So good observation from Bridget and highlighted uh, one of the key differences. And, and like you said, one of the reasons why I don't second guess it and think, you know, they made the right call. And I do think it potentially wouldn't have even been that close if Allmark had started. Certainly if Allmark had started and looked the way he had in the previous couple games. Um, so on like this group's legacy and not being able to win since 2011, uh, you know, and look, that really like that group's gone. We're just talking about Bergeron, Marsha, and Krejci that are left. And it's, thank God for all those guys that they had 2011 because otherwise, like their legacy really takes a hit. Then, then they're they're basically all the, the same guys who were here in like the eighties and nineties, who had some good teams, were in the playoffs pretty much every year, but but never won. And um, so they at least did that. So that's good. And like 
they all have their places in, in Bruins franchise history, right? Like as disappointing as this is, as disappointing as 2019 as, is, when the day comes for Bergeron's 37 to go to the rafters and Marchand's 63 and Krejci's 46, place is going to be rocking. It's going to be on its feet. Those guys are going to be loved here forever. But yeah, it's also absolutely going to be part of their legacies that that they left one, maybe two on the table. And, you know, it's, it's, it, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to look at this year. Like, are we going to look at this as one that got left on the table because they lost in the first round. So like, I know the regular season was incredible, but it's kind of hard to say they left a cup on the table when they would have needed to win three more rounds after this. Like they went out early 2019. Yeah. They absolutely left on the table. That's one they should have won. Um, they should have at least won this round though. That's, that's going to be there forever. Like, like you said, like there's no one is ever even close to guaranteed to win the cup. So the idea that like, Oh, this Bruins team should have won the cup. It's like, I guess, but man, like the Stanley cup playoffs are, are really tough. And if you had lost in honestly, like if you had lost in seven, even to this Leafs team, which I think is really good. And by the way, is now the betting favorite to win the cup. Um, you know, I, I know people like some of the lazier hockey analysts around here would have said like, Oh, you lost to Toronto, the team that could never win a series that you always dominated. I would have then been like, this isn't your older brothers, Toronto Maple Leafs. Like this is a really good team. If you had lost to a loaded Rangers team, or even like the devils or Carolina conference friends, I think those are all really good teams. If you lost a cup final to, I don't to Connor McDavid's Oilers and like McDavid just goes off and has 15 points in seven games. Like, you know, stuff like that. It's like, yeah, like nothing's given, but they should have gone out of the first round though. Like at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. This Panthers team was better than a typical eight seed. They did win the president's trophy last year. You're still better. You, you still should have uh-huh. beat them. You, you are up three, one. You had three third period leads in game six and seven, and you blew it. And that's, you can give all the credit in the world to the Panthers and they deserve it. But ultimately that's how this Bruins team is going to, going to be remembered. They're going to be remembered for owning every regular season record and then choking away at a three, one series lead and giving up the tying goal in game seven in the final minute. Like that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's that's hard to shake that you don't, you don't get to erase that from your resume. 